God had healed my mind and I was ready to go off my medicine and with the faith that I had. And three months later decided by course of another inpatient treatment hospitalization in and out that the medicine was an answer to my prayers. That's just a part of the story that Katie Ardale tells in her memoir, But Deliver Me From Crazy. In this episode, we talk about God, faith, and serious mental illness. Can medicine and science be a part of your faith that stability can be yours? And what can houses of faith do to help their congregants with serious mental illness and their families? Welcome to our podcast, Schizophrenia, Three Moms in the Trenches. From the place where schizophrenia and real life collide. East Coast, West Coast, Middle America. With Miriam Feldman, Mindy Greiling, and Randy Kay. We're at episode 79. Welcome to Schizophrenia, Three Moms in the Trenches. With, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, our Wonderful guest already here with us, Katie Ardell, will be joining us tonight. The title of this episode is Faith, God, and Serious Mental Illness, But Deliver Me from Crazy, which is Katie's book. I know she's working on another one and and has a lot to tell us. And I want to just begin by reading a review from this book which kind of gives us an insight into Katie Ardell and her story and what she's about to share with us tonight. And this review says, because I have dealt with mental health issues myself and have multiple family members with serious mental health problems, and I've worked on an acute care psychiatric facility, this book captivated me. I wish I had read something like it years ago. And the message I was left with was that even in the depth of severe mental health problems, God is still with us. Thank you, Katie. So I am very intrigued by this book and by your website and what you do. If you're new to our podcast, by the way, we are three moms with three books and we're staunch advocates. We each have sons with serious mental illness, particularly in our case, schizophrenia. And we love to hear people's stories and what they're doing. So Katie will, uh, you know, you were blindsided by an intense episode of bipolar disorder at 16, but, and you're going to tell us your story in a minute. Uh, You've come a long way, obviously. And, um, the memoir is called, But Deliver Me From Crazy, but you've been through a lot and you, well, I'll I'll let you tell it. And so even though we we don't really specialize in schizophrenia, but we do focus on severe mental illness and serious mental illness. And it sounds from your story, like you know, your story certainly qualifies, but what you've done with your pain and your story is so fascinating. So welcome, Katie R. Dale. Nice to see you. Thank you. Thank you, Randy and Mimi and Mindy. Thank you for having me. It's been, uh, it's great that you guys reached out. I'm so glad to be here with you. Yeah. And you have in, in the show notes, there are links to your book and, and to your wonderful website, but let's talk about your passion, your mission. We're going to begin with your story, but when I saw it was on your website, it is partly your journey through uh, your faith-based community to find answers and to tell them how to help you, but you want to share practical answers for living with and advocating for serious mental illness. And I'd say that's our, that's our passion as well. So let's just, you know, tell us a bit, tell us a bit about your story and your experience with SMI. 
And Katie, so, while you're doing it, go ahead and sh- hold up your book. You started to hold it oh, up yeah, there. Why yeah. don't you show it to people as you're telling your before you tell your story? Thank you. The the full version is within the book, obviously, but I'll keep it brief because of time for tonight. But um, at 16, not so sweet 16, I was um, having some major life changes. I decided to go to a private Christian school attached to the church that we, my family attended that my mom happened to teach at. Um, I had always been in the public school system my whole life and felt compelled to try the biblical worldview and Christian perspective of a private small school. Um, but shortly thereafter, I was I quit jaded and had some suicidal thinking ideation there and um, really fell into a, a clinical depression. Uh, we went to see, seek treatment and to seek help. I ended up inpatient with mania, mania and psychosis uh, on the on the upside um, through the, the school year, that school year, my junior year of high school, and uh, was treated in the hospital in about three weeks uh, inpatient. And fortunately, was able to be seen, um, had outpatient treatment thereafter, and then did well on medicine and therapy. I uh, was able to complete my high school, you know, graduated at the back at the public school and uh, be able to reunite with friends there and finish my cross country and band and everything and that I was involved in originally. Um, went on to college, graduated from a four-year college and met my husband online uh, during that time between the junior and senior year of college and got married shortly thereafter. We were married about three years and I decided I was healed and um, may have been some touch of anisognosia, a little bit of denial, maybe a mix of both and felt like I was well enough and healed and God had healed my mind and I was ready to go off my medicine and proclaim healing in Jesus name um, with the faith that I had. And three months later decided by course of another inpatient treatment hospitalization in and out in the adult ward this time that the medicine was an answer to my prayers and that God is through the grace of science and pharmaceuticals has created these things that we can treat our illnesses of our brain, just like we treat other illnesses of our body. Um, and so since going back on those medicines that I'd gone off of at 24 years old, going back on those medicines, I was able to regain my progress and come back to a steady life, high functioning. A few years after that, um, was able to uh, land a position at a nonprofit behavioral outpatient clinic, working as a case manager. And that experience in a clinical role has helped me get behind, you know, seeing the psychiatry and psychology and the science of it from a clinician's point of view and working with people like much like a peer support specialist mm-hmm. um, and being able to help serve those with similar diagnosis to mine and even different ones. Um, so that started my, my advocacy work and I blog and I write and obviously I've, I've gotten creative with expressing myself. My uh, work has been on my blog on katiardale.com 
originally by polarbrave.com. But um, yeah, all that to say is uh, a lot of doors have opened since working online and meeting people through in-person and online summits in these circles. I really, um, really look forward to talking to you about the religion aspect. We had a program here, I don't know, quite a while ago, Mimi or Randy probably can look up the number, but we had my minister and uh, Randy's rabbi. And we had a really good discussion with them about religion. And then here you are, um, someone who's experienced this, you know, so uh, I think that will be really interesting. Um, one thing I, Randy said, we don't focus on schizophrenia. I actually think we do. That's the name of our podcast. No, we do. We do focus on schizophrenia, but oh, okay. you know, the, the having psychosis and bipolar still qualifies as a serious mental illness. Oh, so. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, so I was going to say, you know, when what we all we what I read, and I think you would probably think it's true when. People are not doing well when you're psychotic or have anosognosia and you're in crisis, then all these serious mental illnesses overlap and kind of are, it's hard to tell on the continuum who has what, you know, my son has schizoaffective bipolar one. So he has all that ups and downs of the affective uh, part of things too. But when healthy, I think schizophrenia is another another animal. So I just wanted to say that. But what I would like to ask you is, um, Jim at one time didn't want to go to church. He doesn't go to church. But it, but part of the reason was because he thought he was God or he was the devil or, you know, he had all his delusions of grandeur and, and the religion um, just was so mixed up that it fed into his delusions that he just couldn't participate. And have you ever had that? And how did you overcome it? The heart behind the I'm on podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on imom.com. And when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, it brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. So I've had those personas that out of the illness thinking I was, you know, in those delusional states and thinking I was like John from the gospels and thinking I was at one point, not Jesus, but someone like Jesus or, you know, the Messiah complex kind of ordeal with those schizophrenic like symptoms. And um, really what was my godsend, like I said, was the medicine. And I tell people this all the time is the common denominator isn't that it's spiritual as much as it is a physical malady you know, when Jesus came to earth, he provided food for people. And not only did he hear, heal people instantaneously with miracles, but he met their physical needs uh, as well. And I like, you know, it, it's my hope and my my passion that the church would get behind more of a holistic 
even clinical, you know, approach with medication being a, a good sound treatment pathway. Because once the medication is in play or or that good treatment, whether it is maybe maybe they're you know medicine resistant, but whatever the whole you know the whole best treatment for them is that they find the stability there and that hopefully in time, you know, with those symptoms really eliminated if possible. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, is the medicine can work wonders. I know there's no magic pill, but the element of the brain chemistry and circuitry can be, you know, met with and, and, and dealt with well. So that can put those voices and those hallucinations and delusions to rest. Well, the person, the soul of the person has more room to be themselves. Thank you. I always kind of summarize it. God helps those who help themselves. I, I don't know if that's in the Bible or not, but I always think it's kind of what you were saying. You know, God can do certain amount of things and he expects us to do things too. That's, that's, I think it's true. I think also the opposite is true too, that God helps those who don't help themselves that need his mercy to them and, and extend it to them. And we see that in the gospels with Jesus meeting with crowds of people that are just hurting because of their mental illness or their epilepsy or their whatever it is. And he has compassion on them and they can't do anything to save themselves from I mean, if it was us and we had glasses back then and we didn't have glasses invented then, it's like, Jesus, please help me. <laughs> but you know, that's I think good, you know, that um, helps, helps apply those. Mm -hmm. Yes, it, I think that that is, I love that because God helps those who help themselves. And, you know, and I don't want to turn this into a philosophical religion discussion necessarily, but this is part of your experience and, and it is important. Uh, I also love the concept of when man cries out to God for help, God sends people. And yes. I, I love that. Absolutely. So now I, I'm Jewish. So, you know, Jesus is not who I speak to when I need help. But what I love about your work is that you, part of what's on your website and on your game plan is resources for people, including what churches, and I'll just say houses of faith can do to help those. But a quick question while you're in your story it sounds like you may have had some pushback from your house of faith saying, oh, don't take the medicines. God will save you. Is that true? Or was that something you kind of thought? In no, your that, I, I didn't have anybody telling me that, but I did have um, some influencer person type, a televangelist that I was listening to at the time. And I was listening to his message saying, you have it within yourself to heal yourself where I thought, okay, and I interpreted that as throw out those pills and just take that leap of faith, you know? So that well, was where I, I'm kind of coming from. This brings up an interesting gray area in all of this that, that I've often thought about. You know, I remember when my son was very, very sick, sitting with my husband once and saying, you know how they say that people with schizophrenia and they're hearing voices that um that it, so often the theme is that they're hearing god talking to them and i said to him what if it was true what if 
they're not sick. They're on some other higher frequency than the rest of us plebeians. And they, God is talking to them. What if that's true? And I've often thought of, and I'm not a person of big, you know, constructed faith. I'm Jewish, but I, you know, I just think, what if that's true? Because there is this gray area where you can get other diseases and other maladies, but the symptoms don't mimic or consistently tie into a delusion of hearing God talk to you. And I just wonder like where the line is and this whole gray area. And in the past, in ancient times, were people with schizophrenia considered, you know, the the soothsayers or the the holy men or i mean there's a lot of gray area here and um i wonder what you think about that that's a great question a because nobody's question. asked me that before but i've always had an opinion on that so oh, that's yeah. wonderful i'm so glad you asked me <laughs> but so i like i liken it to um you know like psychedelics we have those cousins to psychotropics and they open that doorway into the unknown, unseen realm, I am a hundred percent believer that it's real in a different realm, but that, you know, those forces and those spirits, whether they're light or dark, um, you know, we don't have usually have access to those. And when we go into the psyche, which the brain is the seat of both the psyche and the spirit and the heart and the emotions and all that, they're all, those faculties are all contained in the brain. So there's a lot of gray area. You're right about that. And it's not clear. There's a lot of confusion. But um, like I wanted to bring up uh, the point of hearing God's voice or hearing um, a voice of a hallucinatory, hallucinatory nature and symptom. Um, on one hand, I, I think a lot of the voices can be negative um, and they can be indicative of, of spirits that are like demonic. Um, I really do believe that's what I heard when I was sick was demons voices speaking to me chanting like Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, or whatever, you know, I thought somebody was saying to me using projecting those thoughts into my mind. Um, on the other hand, as I'm whole and uh, of mind and, and sound mind now that I'm stable on my medicine, and as long as I take my medicine um, and have that kind of like that curtain is closed um, but yet I still have a relationship with God where I do hear his voice. Well, what's the difference? And the difference is this, when I explored being out of my right mind with those voices, it was a fear-based thing with God. It is a love-based sense of like, he is speaking to me in my heart out of love that lines up with his word, the Bible. Um, it, what he's saying is in his nature, a loving nature, it's kind, it's uplifting, it's encouraging. Those are the kind of um, ways he talks to us in our heart. And um, when I did hear voices also to know, it was more of like an auditory almost. I, I thought I was hearing people talk or, or hearing, you know, these internal in my inner ear things when I, when I came ac across them. Uh, when they came upon me and um with god's voice i don't hear him audibly or even semi-audibly it's very much like a, a it springs up from within me and having the, the theology of you know what it says in the bible according to jesus saying you, within you have the wellsprings of life uh, out of you out of you out of a believer of, of jesus he gives us his holy spirit 
um, to dwell in us, within us, God within, with us and within us. And um, a lot of, <laughs> you'll find that a lot of people in, in a modern American church these days are kind of reluctant or um, conservative on those things. I grew up actually in a, the first seven years of my life anyway, a more um, Pentecostal environment in Assemblies of God Church, not too Pentecostal, <laughs> but um, like speaking in tongues and like a, a live, a, a very lively worship service. And that always intrigued me so that when I grew up, I'm still like in awe of like God in that way of like, wow, you can do things that aren't, that are beyond the explained and miracles do happen. So that's where it captured me um, in that state of, oh, maybe I am healed um, and why I went off my medicine, a little naivety, but also a little bit of faith, a blind faith. Um, but I keep and hold fast to the faith that as long as it lines up with God's word, um, what's in the Bible, what he's shown me in life, you know, I know that it's real and I can trust it. And I can trust that voice inside me that's steady and still and and, and quiet in the quiet times I have every day. Uh, but that's that's my take on that. I hope that's not too- I, I love the differentiation between fear-based and love-based. I think anybody from any faith can can relate to that in a, in a very real way. And and it was quite a path that you traveled to get to that place. I know I recently spoke at a conference and it, it happened to be a state, as all the states are, that have, you know, the sort of the city folk and the rural folk. And uh, a lot of the people at the conference were more urban, but they were saying, well, we are all of like mind at this conference, how to how to fix, how to help those with serious mental illness. But there are places where they would like chase us out of town because they just say, just put it in God's hand. We don't need your medicine. And so that, that does still exist. And, and so I, I love that you have turned your experience into advocating for those with serious mental illness within the faith-based communities and churches. And, you know, and I will add synagogues, temples, mosques, whatever, for the sake of all those who are listening who may profess different faiths, but let's just all call it love-based. I think we have that in common. You have on your on your Katie Ardale website um, things that a, a church, and we'll just say faith, faith home, you know, house of faith, whatever, must do to help those with serious mental illnesses. And you talk about engaging, noticing, learning, and communicating. I mean, it's a lot. And please go to Katie's website for more information. What do you do to, do you educate churches and the houses of faith as to what they can do to help their members with serious mental illness? Tell us a little bit ab about that. Uh, there is a few organizations out there, um, nonprofits like Fresh Hope for Mental Health. That's out of Omaha, Nebraska with Pastor Brad Haves. He has a condition himself, lived experience, and um, started in worldwide support groups, um, wrote a book, um, has a lived experience peer-led uh, support group and virtual summit every year called Voices of Hope. So I've been able to speak to the, uh, that summit annually. Um, also, Laura Howe out of Canada, she has an organization called Hope Made Strong, and that does the Church Mental Health Summit, usually October 10th every year. 
and I speak speak spoken to uh, churches and church leadership there. Um, that's online, and so there's um, also Delight and Disorder Ministries with Tony Roberts. He's a former uh, pastor on our podcast uh, very soon. Yes, you know Tony. Yeah, he's he's great. He's a wonderful guy. Um, and so he's he's got his nonprofit Delight and Disorder Ministries that I was able to help um, in the infancy stages, and then you know like chair his board, and we put out a anthology that some um, I think Randy are in. This, I mean, yeah, that hope uh, for troubled minds. Thing. Yes, so we will be talking about that very soon. So you were involved in that. I didn't realize you were involved with that with that uh, book as well. Yes, so. I was his associate editor and helped him with the graphics. And, and you a have a fun. chapter a chapter in there too, don't you? Um, I have a couple of submissions. Yes, a, a poem called "The Plight of Lady Manic," which is my favorite poem. <laughs> Just you'll have to check it out. But anyway, um, yeah, there's a couple of submissions in there. I'm just reading it now, so I haven't read. I'm only halfway through. So, and, the, um, and you're also you work with the National Shattering Silence Coalition. What is that? I do yes. Yeah, so uh, they are a coalition of uh, nationally. Uh, we have um, efforts for advocacy, education, and um, it's it's a grassroots organization, but we are a nonprofit that uh, is working together. We're trying to get raise more awareness of serious brain disorders, serious mental illness being, um, you know, so in, in, in unjustly treated in, you know, starting at from the roots up, I guess, but also top down. So uh, we're trying to to make noise on on different and def- different fashions and different avenues of like um, the interdepartmental serious mental illness coordinating committee. They call it ISMIC. We make comments there um, twice a year. It's a it's a federal run like multiple different departments of the government are get together and they talk about what can they do about serious mental illness. And we've been uh, following that. And then we also have um, the, we just kind of did a, a reset on the whole organization. Unfortunately, our beloved founding member, um, Jean Gore, uh, just passed in May. She was the fire and the, she brought it to the organization. She started it. Um, but I did step in there temporarily um, to lead the organization this summer. We did a reset on the vision, mission, and focus of the group, of the organization. So now we're going in planning in a direction where we will be doing holding a family peer mentoring program in the future. Doing a lot of so, work. Can, can I ask you a, a personal question about your story and feel free not to answer it? I'm an open book. I really. Okay. So you met your husband online when you were on your medication and stable. Yes. And then when you made the choice to try life without it, what was his reaction? What was his experience as you understand it? And what was your experience going off the meds? Did it feel good at first? And then. Like, what are you aware of in you and in your husband? And your daughter wasn't born yet at that point, I take it. Correct. She was not born yet, no. Um, So he, 
initially was like reluctant, hesitant. Like, I don't know if you should do this. Why don't you wait until he was going for a month long trip because he's um, active duty air force. He was going away for a month to Mongolia across the other side of the world. Um, and he's like, can you just wait to go off it until I come back and to try it? Cause I've been talking with my doctor, my psychiatrist to, to like taper down, but not to go completely off. And she wasn't, she wasn't on board with that. And he knew that. And he's like, well, if you're going to try anything, just wait till I get back from Mongolia. So he's gone for a month. And that to me, in that frame of mind, I'm, I'm like, okay, well go off. Right. Like I'm going to taper down. I'm going to wean myself off while he's gone until when he gets the day he gets back, I'll be off. And that was a complete utter mess. <laughs> um, I was doing monologues into my, at the time it was like, having my own like um podcast or something where I was just like but I was recording on on my own MacBook just like to nobody I wasn't broadcasting them but I was like Twitter started you know getting big at that time and I was kind of like crazed over that and social media was really attractive but man I was just I was getting I was feeling good but I was also not feeling good I was I was feeling not right there you know like I was too much of a good thing. Too much of a good thing isn't always a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I had more mania and psychosis than depression. So I was like really high up there. I got irritable. I got, you know, when he got back, he was like, what is going on? He thought it was a readjustment issue where I was like, you know, adjusting and being back because they talked to the airman about, you know, when your family comes back, there's a readjustment period when you come back to your family. So he was like, well, this isn't like her, but maybe it's just, I was just having a rough time. And I mean, he couldn't see the forest through trees exactly, but I, I, at, at some eventual point, it's like a month later, I was like, I got to get to a hospital, take me to a hospital right now. And then I passed out and I was like on the floor in the fetal position. He's like calling my psychiatrist. <laughs> what do I do? Wow. Not funny at the time, but like looking back, it's just like, wow, how do you not laugh <laughs> myself right humor carries us through sometimes especially in retrospect here yeah (laughs) i have a question i want to go back to what you said about the televangelist influencing you and Mm -hmm. giving you this bad idea um what what are the misconceptions that you've run into within the church about people i I mean because i run into this and and people people especially people who are um devoutly christian i've I've run into people a belief that smi is somehow spiritually based or a spiritual malady and um what have you run into about that i i i get that a lot i get the impression that i mean my my father-in-law is a pastor and i get sometimes that impression sometimes from pulpit that it's like you know, it's hard though. It's, it really is because there's this very strong notion that spiritually based is the root cause of everything. And while, while in, in some contexts that is true, um, because, you know, we can't separate the spiritual from the physical, from the emotional, from the mental, I think it's all intertwined. Um, I think where the church kind of gets off and misses the mark is that 
um, there is a component a component of the medicine or the science to it. You know, you can't deny that because, you know, if I were not on my medicine right now, I would be ballistic. I might not even be here. You know, well, that saved and, my life. But so, so you're saying, yeah. Doesn't, um, the church, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't want to get No, it's okay. Yeah, the, the church it, at the large, church I think, is misconceiving. council people who are, have diabetes to not take their diabetes medicine or people who have cancer to not have um, their, their, you know, chemo. So why in the world would a televangelist counsel somebody who has a physiological serious disease to not take their medication? Like where does that live in the dogma or in the philosophy of the church? I don't understand it. And I will just add that I think that in all religions that I'm aware of, there are extremes and there are middle of the road. So I know devout Christians who are devout in a different way from a televangelist, you know, mm-hmm. and we're not here to diss anybody necessarily. Right, but I right. think my knowledge that within the Christian church and within Judaism, and I believe in the Muslim, you know, all the religions that I know of, there are the outskirts people, like the extremes. Right, like a- but they're like a right so that but there's always many people in the middle who feel who who are a little more um open to ideas in the middle so yeah i didn't want to put down it christianity at all no no not at all but then the question is yeah do you think or did this same televangelist also counsel people with other diseases to not take their medicine that's that i think that's the dollar question yeah Maybe maybe there was other people with other illnesses going off their meds too, yeah. Mm-hmm. With yeah. other kinds of, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, that that's the thing of you know, people look to to faith leaders first, and a lot of the times they're the first responders too, and it's like they don't have all the answers. It's not not everything is in the Bible. I mean, and they're not all there's trained to be psychologists or social workers and there are we've discussed this on this program before there are other ethnic groups like uh, some black churches or the Hmong community where they um, have different takes on mental illness the the black community Mm -hmm. because of their history of being experimented on and treated poorly by doctors in the past and that they have a great suspicion of the mental health system or tell people to pray harder if things aren't going right. In the Hmong community, it's a blessing, a spiritual blessing if you have something like uh, schizophrenia. So, you know, there's there's that too. Different takes on it, yeah. Right. So so your your journey, and there's a lot to unpack here, obviously. There are there are many, many things, and we didn't bring you in as a religion expert. We, you know, uh, you have found your answers that work for you, and I'm so happy that you're sharing them. Uh, there's so much on your website that is so helpful. You know, the, the game plan resources, they're beautiful, beautiful resources. And then you have a blog post I came upon, which was talking about what churches can do uh, to help, which you said, you know, engage, notice, learn, communicate, and some of the points you made. And I think I found this as well when I first, it's not the rabbi we had on, but another rabbi, when I first went to them and realized my son had schizophrenia and there were pamphlets in the waiting room about everything except mental illness. It's like, 
they didn't know. And maybe it may may be different now, but uh, it was a little difficult for the faith leaders uh, in my Reformed Jewish temple to find things in the Old Testament. And, you know, I was never discouraged from taking medicine or anything like that. But I feel like temples as well need to learn and notice and and engage i mean then and, and communicate and and help so i think that y- your mission is so full of good advice what can you kind of in a nutshell say what would you tell a, a house of faith is so important when a, a member of their uh, of their congregation is dealing with mental illness themselves or with their family that's part of right yeah the brain is another organ just like the heart just like the liver and the lungs you just you got to treat the brain when it's broken with you know a a medical approach or you know health health holy health healthy approach and dismissing that would be dismissing part of the person you know and we want to treat others as we would want to be treated and we may not have all the answers but you know we can listen to understand and have compassion and yeah you know one of the things i do remember from the podcast that we did with the about religion was that was the general consensus at the end of all of it was that we the people who are active in the mental health community need to make it part of our mission to address and educate the people in the religious community because it's really true like randy said they don't know how to deal with it and they they don't have an understanding and if they're deriving everything from biblical or or you know the quran or whatever well it's not really necessarily going to be a an up-to-date take on mental illness so that's our job i guess to educate people yeah educating people that I mean, as science has progressed, we've discovered things that I wouldn't say don't work with the Bible, but, you know, they definitely like, like back in a few generations ago, we were institutionalized and everybody, we, they were behind closed doors, put away for life. Mm-hmm. The church didn't have really much in our, I don't know that the church had much touch there, but, you know, it's, it's like now it's anyway, it, it's, it's definitely something we could educate the church more on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's and a to- really good Good uh, good statement right there. I think education for everybody, but we all should remember that churches are like everybody else. We all could use more education on mental illness. And so thank you, also, Katie, for doing that. Turn. Churches are where churches, temples, all that is where people turn. I mean, we don't really need mm-hmm. to educate our butchers. Most people with mental illness <laughs> aren't going to go to the supermarket for help. But so many people do turn to their houses. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Very important place to focus education. Absolutely. And so we have about five minutes left, but I want to give you a chance, Katie, to do two things. And one is to tell us how your faith in God helps you. I know you've been through, you know, not only the loss of your sanity, as you say in your book, but you, you've also, and this is on your website, so I'm not revealing, but you lost your firstborn child as well. And so that's certainly a second hit, as we call it. So a lot of challenges for you. How does your faith in God help you through what you what you've been through and what you go through? 
it gives me the strength to face these tragedies and parts of life that are so dark. You know, some people, I don't know how they do it apart from lying down and not getting up, but I feel like God strengthens me daily to look up and look out to other people and see I'm not the only one suffering. There's others out there too. Also to recognize, be honest with what I'm feeling, you know, that's really been one basic practical lesson I learned through any tragedy in my life was to be honest with how I'm feeling. Um, No, we're not our, we're not to like follow our heart and the feelings we have are not all the end all be all, but they are indicators of the state of our hearts. And if there's something off with that, you know, we need to address that just like any other problem we have in life. Um, So I do take an inventory, like in my quiet quiet times daily to go through what I'm going through during the day. And and a lot of during my trials and crises in life have been doing that. And, And as a writer, as an external processor I, I i communicate in writing or you know however i've been going through those things and that's helped expedite the healing process for me now my final question is just about how can people get in touch with you what else do you want us to know so before i ask that that's just a practical um i want to give mindy and mimi a chance if there's anything else left on un- unasked that was there anything else you wanted to um, I was just saying that, Katie, I think you've answered all my questions. You really, um, I admire your bravery and your empathy for others to carry forward your message. I think that takes takes a lot of courage and to, to work with the church when you've had such an experience and churches can sometimes be hierarchical or even uh, not as welcoming of women's voices, not all of them by any stretch of the imagination. But I think um, what you're doing is, is I would say, God's work. You, Mimi, anything to? Well, I feel like I could sit and talk with you for hours, Katie, but um, I did ask the questions I wanted to ask, and it's been very interesting. Thank you. Awesome. I'm so glad you asked those questions, too. Really we didn't want to be just one other one other podcast like all the others that you've been on. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, uh, although obviously these will be in the show notes, how can people get in touch with you? Tell us about your website. Tell us um, about your book. Anything else you want people to know about your mission and your passion? Yeah, so I'm at kdrdale.com. And on the resources page there, you'll find, you can sign up for my monthly newsletter. And um, with that, you get a um, free issued PDF download called the game plan, which is what you mentioned earlier. It's like a 12 page um, printout. You can just fill in. It's kind of like a wrap plan, uh, but more condensed. And it's got a list of um, a bunch of resources, online hotlines, um, other influencers, both secular and faith-based um, organizations, nonprofits, anything you can think of that's mental health related um, that, you know, lines up with with um, the serious brain disorder and the uh, ministry I run. But uh, I'm at so- social media. I'm, my handle is at KDR Dale. So if you type in, you know, at KDR Dale on those websites, whichever platform you're on, you'll find me there. And I um, just hope that everybody's encouraged that there is a way forward through 
through the storms of life. Wonderful. Well, Katie Ardale, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode of Schizophrenia, Three Moms in the Trenches with Randy Kay, Mindy Greiling, and Miriam Feldman. To get in touch with us or to learn more about our books, please visit our websites at miriam-feldman.com, mindygreiling.com, or randyk.com.